It's Good Friday here on Church Hurts and, and our guest is Rory Noland with Heart of the Artist. Welcome to Church Hurts and, the good, the bad, and the ugly about church, religion, and spirituality with a dash of recovery thrown in. If you've ever had questions about the church, maybe a bit jaded in your attitude toward religion, well, you've come to the right place. Our host, he was an honors philosophy student, ordained a Presbyterian minister, planted three churches, taught at a prestigious university, but now, now he's just an aging curmudgeon who never quits asking the question why. The host of Church Hurts and Dr. John Bash. Art of the Artist. I was the ripe old age of 22, settled into graduate school outside of Chicago and attempting to adjust to the North again after a marvelous year working in Key Biscayne, Florida. My father had died the previous year from cirrhosis of the liver, leaving me a bit lonely while at the same time feeling quite adult. I was on my career path into church ministry, already quite settled into my theology of choice, yet eager to learn and get my walking papers to be a legitimate clergyman. Attending a singles group in the city, I ran into an all-too-cute girl who wouldn't quit talking about her church in the suburbs. Actually, everyone seemed to be talking about that church, so I allowed myself to be dragged along one Sunday more interested in the girl than I was in church. I knew things were going to be different since the lobby was packed in the theater hosting this newfangled, trendy church, awaiting the previous service to be let out. It's hard to imagine nowadays, but back then, churches were mostly known for their pipe organs, choirs, and liturgy. The sight of a band set up on the stage meant things were going to be different, but then Four female vocalists with microphones and smiles started singing in harmony and quite well, by the way. And then it happened. I saw the drummer lift slowly from his seat at the drum kit as the singers paused. With no shame or apology and all the strength the young man had, he came down on the snare and the beat was on. Welcome to the modern church. If I had to compare those three years in seminary with the impact of that one church on my thinking, I'm not sure which was greater. I do know this. I will be forever grateful. Why do we do what we do in church? How much of it is because of outdated traditions and how much of it is led by God's instructions in the Bible? Today, we have a special guest who spent his life asking such questions, picking the songs, rehearsing bands, leading the worship, and today he continues to serve the church as the director of Heart of the Artist Ministries. Let's meet him. Welcome Rory Nolan to Church Hurts and. Thanks, John. Thanks a lot. Uh, it's great to be with you. Sounds like our paths crossed many years ago. They sure did. And uh, Rory, you've said that when you got started in ministry, you thought everyone got along royally and so let's jump back to those days or when the smelling salts kicked in. How did you get involved in church in the first place? Well, I was actually gotten involved in the youth group that started Willow Creek Community Church, the church that you're referring to. 
and I got involved through sports. Uh, I had just started uh, music college, though. I, I attended a music college down in the city. I commuted. And I had my life all figured out, and I wanted to be a film score composer or a songwriter, and that's the, the direction my life was headed. And so getting involved in the youth group that eventually became Willow Creek, um, I sensed Lord, the Lord leading me uh, down a different path towards ministry. And to be totally honest with you, I uh, rebelled and rejected. I mean, I, the, the last place I wanted to end up uh, when I was starting out was church. I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit that now. But I just I was kind of snobby about it. I thought that uh, church was where artists go to die. And it's like, yeah, you, there's uh, they're backward and they're not very forward thinking. And I just uh, I, I dreaded the thought of spending the rest of my life in church music. But God moved slowly, warmed my heart, softened my heart. And I, I remember there was a, a speaker we had at one of our meetings. And he looked out at us, and we were, I think it was a college-age group, and, you know, he looked out and said, you know, you do what God wants you to do, and you let somebody else do what you want to do. That was a pretty bold statement. But as soon as he said that, I knew, I thought he was talking to me. I didn't sleep for several days because I was really wrestling with that idea, and but I, I sensed the Lord was really convicting me that this is what he wanted me to to do was to be involved in church. The, so I, I came into church work uh, kicking and screaming, to be honest with you. With that, though, you go kicking and screaming into really a, a church that probably is known for affecting the entire church world with uh, seeker sensitivity style, with the contemporary music. What was it like being the guy who was you know, being expected to know how to do it right and having the success in numbers you guys were having. Well, of course, at the beginning, it didn't feel like that. It was all, it's, it's a lot of hard work, you know, to, to start a church and that's what we were about. And, and and to be honest with you, it's even though we started to gain some notoriety, it still felt like we were so busy, you know, just keeping up with services and the demands and some of the other things we were asked to do at conferences and so forth, that we didn't have a whole lot of time, to be honest with you, to, to uh, celebrate the success, so to speak. I did become aware, though, that you know people were starting to call me music directors and worship leaders from other churches and, and asking questions about what are you doing there and what's going on and, you know, can I come and visit? And so that was kind of my first indication that, okay, maybe there's something going on uh, here that uh, more to the, that's more than meets the eye here. Your book, Rory, uh, Heart of the Artist, it's just been released. I kind of want to say that up front. And the second edition made some changes. But before we talk about even those changes, talk to me about some of those initial insights that you got after, uh, I guess you said to me, blaming everyone else doesn't work was one of your first discoveries. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, when I first got involved in church work, I thought we would all just get along royally. You know, I thought, yeah, we're just going to have this great time together and we're going to have a lot of fun. You know, I quickly realized, though, that there was some conflict here and there. 
there was a lot of disagreements and, you know, even some, uh, some tempers were flaring and so forth. So I was taken back by all the, con- all the relational conflict. Mm-hmm. And then I came to realize that more often than not, I was the problem. You know, my own lack of character, immaturity, my baggage, my dysfunction <laughs> was threatening to undermine the very ministry that I was trying to build. And uh, I had some people confront me on some things. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. You know, I, I was so grateful for those uh, those friends that pulled me aside and said, hey, you know, we feel like we have to walk on eggshells around you. You're so you're overly sensitive, you know, and you're, and you're defensive. That was like me on a good day, you know. So yeah, I had all these issues, you know. And so I quickly realized that I needed to shape up if I was going to survive ministry, and uh, let alone you know keep my job and so forth. So I went to the scriptures and I sought you know some counsel from friends and. Um, I really, you know, tried to identify some of these issues and go after them. And uh, some of my, like I mentioned, my perfectionism, my oversensitivity, my defensiveness, my insecurities. And like I said, that's just me on a, on a, on a good day. <laughs> what I began to notice, though, was that I wasn't the only one suffering from perfectionism. And I began to see it in my friends in in a lot of the artists that I was shepherding. And so I started to share some of the things I was learning and we started to have these great conversations. And then I started to teach on these things. So the material that went into the heart of the artist was actually came out of my own life experiences. And it was material that I shared with my own uh, artists as I shepherded and pastored, pastored them over the years as well. You know, Rory, I don't want to in any way minimize the insight because for you, it was so fresh and so real that it made you made major change. But isn't it the exact same insight that virtually everybody has to start to make if they want to mature? Picture going into a therapist and you're going in to complain about your wife. What's the good therapist do, right? Turns it back on us. And I just think in the spiritual world, just like the title of this show, Church Hurts, is the beginning of it. Well, what's that about? That's about saying, you know, those people are messing up. That pastor, the music director, what is wrong? Doesn't he not know that you're not supposed to play jazz in church? It's all your issue until I stop and I say, wait a minute, why am I being so bothered by that stuff? And we start seeing in ourselves the exact thing that annoys us with other people, right? That is so insightful, John. I think you're right. I've come to the conclusion that the areas of my character in life that are not in compliance, not conform to the image of Christ, those are the very areas often I experience conflict with somebody else and, you know, having to do with my insecurity or my oversensitivity, uh, you know, or my perfectionism. Those are the exact areas that I find, you know, when I'm in the middle of a conflict going, oh my gosh, that that's, that's what it's triggering. And so again, I think this is why we need to pay attention to this stuff. 
I'm even struck, Rory, as I mentioned, the whole seeker sensitivity that your church was known for, and it was so controversial. But I was reflecting this week how on Jesus, as this is Good Friday, and as we remember what it was like for Jesus um, walking around the earth as much as we know, and wow, talk about a man that didn't need a lesson on seeker sensitivity. He was blowing everybody's minds because people were attracted to him. He wasn't setting up all these standards to dress right to come into my presence. The disciples tried that on him, and it didn't work very well. So let me let me just take a break and mention Standing Stone Ministry, which I work for. We work for church leaders walking side by side with them, kind of having discussions, even like Rory and I are doing now, encouraging them, um, providing comfort and, and counsel. We would like to you to consider, if you would, becoming a part of our support team, and particularly for me, to allow me to continue this work. To find out how, just go to churchhurtsand.org and click on the Donate button to find out more. And it's needed more than you know and appreciated more than you know, which is maybe an insulting way to put it. But thank you if you do check us out. I should say as well, if you're listening to this on YouTube or on a podcast, would you please subscribe and then forward this on to a friend who might appreciate hearing this. Rory is a treat to hear all the time, but particularly on this issue. Rory, you're a musician at the core, and you see issues, though, more from a broader artistic perspective, I would say. Talk to me about that. You didn't talk about the heart of the musician. You're talking about the heart of the artist. What is that issue with artists in the church? Some of that temperament stuff, like you just mentioned? You know, I talk a little bit about the artistic temperaments, mainly because I feel that that's my calling is to serve artists in the church, and that's that those are the people I've worked with and pastored my whole life. I feel like the artistic temperament, we have our issues. And uh, I'm not saying that all all artists deal with the same issues, but I, I've mentioned uh, just a few of them, you know, perfectionism, defensiveness, and so forth, oversensitivity. I'm not saying that we're the only one, that we have a, a monopoly on those things, but I am saying that there are some issues that I think are unique to the artistic temperament that we need to tackle uh, because they're not only going to uh, undermine our ministries, but you know they could, if we're not careful, undermine our, our marriages and our other relationships. And some of the things that make us good artists there's a flip side to some of those. And I mean, let's take sensitivity as, as, as one example. It's really great that, you know, you're sensitive to people and probably sensitive to the Holy Spirit and God's moving in people's lives. But be careful that you don't be overly sensitive. You know, it, it's great that you have high standards and, uh, you know, you set the bar high. You have a critical eye or a critical ear. Just be careful that you don't become overly critical or overly negative and feed your perfectionism. And so those are the kind of things that I think are unique to artists is, you know, kind of the uh, the flip side. When you overplay your strength, it, it can come back to bite you. You know, in the second edition of, of your book, you address things a little bit in terms of the issues of today aren't the same as they were in the 80s and 90s. Talk to me a little bit about that. What, what do you, how do you see it's changed in the church? 
when I was talking about that, I, I was referring more to the changes that have been made in worship ministry, mainly because of technology and the way we do things different uh, now than we did then. And back in Willow days, you know, being seeker driven, we kind of pioneered the what has been called the attractional model, the idea that we're going to try to attract seekers. We're going to present the gospel. And so it's kind of like event evangelism where, you know, you, you bring your friend to church and we're going to give them a great service and, you know, share the gospel and hopefully, you know, they'll accept Christ. And uh, that was kind of the way we did evangelism, you know, back, uh, back then, back in the, the 70s and 80s and, you know, the 90s. But then in the 90s, uh, we started to see a shift and towards away from the, uh, the attractional model to more of a participatory worship model. And uh, this is where, you know, we started to see worship kind of take off. And we started to see these great worship courses, um, you know, being written. And so we moved from, you know, kind of the attractional spectator thing, you know, where, you know, you come to church and you, you kind of spectate. To you come to church and sing, you know, we're going to sing worship songs for about 20 to 30 minutes. And, uh, and then we're going to ha- hear a sermon. And, and I think the swing was good. I, I, I love it. I think it's great. And so I just kind of acknowledge the changes. But one thing that has not changed, uh, in those 40 years is the need for us artists to be people of godly character. And uh, that is the one thing that has remained the same. At the core of it, and I don't want to make be overly simplistic, but really, it's it's a plea for an anti-hypocritical type of leadership, uh, or for people to be aware of the temptation to kind of prepare to be under the spotlight. Even as we were talking about here uh, before the show, we're talking one way, and then all of a sudden, the you know we're on the air, and we can be different. Aren't you really just saying, hey, get your heart right? Am I missing it, or is that kind of the thrust? No, yeah, no you, you nailed it, John. And and that's why I'm talking about the heart of the artist. It's inside yeah. you. People see us on on the platform, you know, and we look like we got it together. Uh, you know, we combed our hair, and we, <laughs> we look great. We dressed up, you know, and we, we look the part. And so who are you on the inside? And uh, when you are in front of people uh, and you are an artist, it's very tempting to get by on your talent, your good looks, your charisma, and uh, your ability to sing or play. And you can go far on, on talent. You just can't go very long uh, because your lack of character will eventually catch up to you uh, in ministry, as you know we have seen in so many sad cases. And so that's why we're talking about some of the inner issues, where your heart is. That that's that is essentially is what I mean by the heart of the artist. What's going on inside you? Who are you when you're not up on stage? All right, let me go shallow for a second. <laughs> now that we've got the heart, uh, uh, I know one time we were talking, and and I was addressing the issue of quality because you know you said in a sense that was much more of an issue from thirty, forty years ago. I experience, I go into small churches now and I find the same, th- the same quality issues. You still have, 
you know, Aunt Sally who thinks she can sing who can't and, and people don't know how to tell her she can't. And, and you, you have, you know, the young boy at 13 who thinks he can play guitar and he will someday, but not yet. You know, <laughs> do you still really feel like that's passe? Or are you just hanging around with the big major stage churches? I don't think we're, I think we see our fair share of Aunt Sally's uh, these days. I, I'm not seeing as much of it. And maybe that's, uh, I mean, I do travel a lot. Well, I traveled a lot before COVID hit, but um, I didn't see it as much. In fact, what I'm seeing is, a greater consistency, maybe is, is the way I would put it, of quality. Whereas I think when we started this, it was it was hit or miss, and you had some pockets where some churches were, you know, you saw quality, but others were, it was just the other extreme. I feel like I'm seeing more churches make an effort uh, to have quality uh, worship times because there's more vested now these days in worship. You know, we used to do, uh, you know, just three or three, three specials, you know, and they're doing like five or six, uh, congregationals. They're doing a little bit longer music sets than, than we did. And I think the music, it tends to be a little bit easier, maybe. And I'm not, I'm not saying that as a slam. It's less complicated because a lot of people are trying to play by memory. And so maybe it is four chords, but hey, it, it works. And uh, so I think we're seeing a higher level of quality, more consistency. This is Church Hurts Ann, and you've experienced people leaving church from disillusionment for a lot of reasons. Any comments? I myself, yes, I've seen it, but I myself have experienced uh, the dark underbelly of the church and at at a young age. I mean, I remember going back to high school, and we had this thriving high school group, and the schism developed between our youth pastor and the the senior pastor, and it just blew up the church to where you had the young generation pitted against the the older generation. It was ugly. I'm 16 years old, John, and I'm watching this happen going, wow, you know? So that was kind of my first introduction to the dark side. You know, and then I get my uh, first ministry assignment. I'm a youth pastor at a at a Baptist church. You know, the, our youth group's going great, you know. And then the pastor gets into hot water with some deacons, and they have this major uh, clash. Before you know it, the whole church is meeting to take a vote of confidence on whether to retain the pastor. And I'm watching that going, wow, okay. You know, it's, uh, at the time, it happened about the time I was about to be married. And some, I asked some of my leaders from the youth group, Hey, could you stand up with me? You know, in, in my wedding. And I had two guys back out because of the schism, because I was on the wrong side of the issue. So we had, had this, this church vote and the pastor won, I think, by a, such a slim margin that he finally resigned. He said, you know, I, I can't leave the church with this uh, this much um, controversy still lurking. So he left. Several other staff members resigned. Remember, the, the deacons pulled me in. They said, gee, I imagine, you know, you, you didn't sign up for this. Uh, we hope you will stay. I went into that meeting, honestly, 
wondering if I was even going to stay in ministry, let alone that church. I mean, I was so tempted to run at that point, but I didn't. And uh, so those are my two very um, seminal experiences um, uh, that I, you know, for some reason, I don't know why, I, I, I stuck it out. And uh, so nothing surprises me anymore, <laughs> I should say that. But at the same time, I've seen God work uh, in the midst of all of these, all of these dark times. And if anything, it has made me wear out my knees, you know, just in prayer and making sure that I'm part of the, the solution instead of part of the problem and uh, making sure that I'm praying for my church. And so it, it, has, it has helped me, I think, to weather uh, those storms. They, they do pass. Let me just mention, to those of you who enjoy the subject of music and art, uh, go back and uh, grab our show with Jana Lyra, uh, another show we had with James Ward, uh, both wonderful musicians, as well as let's just expand the artist thing uh, just a couple weeks ago with uh, Michael Phillips. I mentioned on that show that I'd probably be reading a Michael Phillips novel for the rest of my life, and I am. I just want to stop and tell you all about it, but talk about an artist who really has used his skills um, for the glory of God. Rory, before we leave, and I want you to leave us with something a little upbeat, but at the same time, I remember on Good Friday, when I say church hurts, uh, people kind of flinch a little bit, and I say, well, it's church hurts and, but nobody has to convince Jesus that church hurts. What do we celebrate today? And for those in COVID who maybe are listening to Facebook Live instead of going to church that are still hunkered down. Uh, what's your suggestion to worship on Good Friday? Well, yeah, I mean, when we look at, you know, the dark side of church and, you know, we can grieve some of the things that especially have happened over the last couple of years with some of our leaders. But Jesus died for the church. He said that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. He loves his bride. And sometimes, you know, we scratch our heads going, really? You know, because sometimes the church looks more like the bride of Frankenstein more than the bride of Christ, you know? I and haven't we, heard that one. I'm going to use that uh, one, too. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, Jesus loves the church. And so you can't be a follower of Christ and hate the church. Jesus even sees more of the dark side than we do. And yet that's the very reason he died. And that's what we celebrate on Good Friday. Well, Rory, I thank you so much for being here. I hope we get to do this again. Just love what you're doing. Just mention Rory does do consulting. Go on to his website. Uh, remind me what it is. It's heartoftheartist.org. Heartoftheartist.org. And uh, thank you, really, for the ministry you have in the church. And in many ways, like what I do with Standing Stone, I know you do with a lot of artists, and and so thankful for that. Let me just close with this. Uh, Mark Twain once said, it ain't the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. Who can know it? Now, I understand that. I just don't like it. I believe God created us as worshiping creatures. The question is not whether we're going to worship, it is who or what we are going to worship and how. Over the years, I've been involved in hundreds of meetings discussing the subject of worship, 
thousands of personal conversations on the matter, and even more prayers asking for wisdom and insight. In the midst of it all, I continue to be baffled at how often worship is confused with feelings and emotions, which tend to be as reliable as weather reports in Pittsburgh. In the 12th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, he tells us directly what worship is. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He says, this is your true and proper worship. What does it mean? No, it doesn't mean waiting for a worship leader in a church to get us emotionally wound up with the right music style for our personal taste. I know it doesn't mean choosing from a menu of liturgical styles which appeal to our sensitivities. And it surely doesn't mean hunting down the right preacher to titillate our intellectual curiosity. So what does it mean? Are you ready for this deep and profound exegesis of Romans 12.1? Here it is. Offering your body as a living sacrifice means to put it all on the line. Hold back nothing. Don't hedge your bets. No backup plan allowed. God, I'm yours. I'm sold out to Jesus. I've tried it my way. I know that doesn't work. Here I am. Send me. Today, our guest Rory did a good job reminding us that artists need that in their worship to put it all on the line. That needs to happen before they put pick up their instruments, before they go public, and even before and after they get frustrated. Church hurts. Sure it does. But sometimes it's nice getting together with others who are putting it all on the line too. This Good Friday, we're reminded of the cost of this kind of worship. Easter, we're reminded of the reward. It's worth a thought. For Church Hurts and this is John Bash. Go and enjoy God today, won't you? Well, that was worth a thought for sure. And brings up referring the pot of denial and finding movement of the divine. Our host, Dr. John Bash, is a shepherd with Standing Stone, a nonprofit ministry committed to caring for pastors and Christian leaders at risk of leaving the ministry prematurely. Visit us at churchfirstand.org. Tell us your story while you're there. Until then, remember, Church Hurts isn't the end of the story. Now go into the end and enjoy God today, won't you?